Hello and welcome to the Middle East Forum speaker webinar series. I'm Stacey McKenna and I will be moderating today's discussion. We're pleased to have Dr. Michael Makovsky, President of the Jewish Institute for National Security of America, join us to discuss it's time for a U.S.-Israel mutual defense pact. Dr. Makovsky will speak for five to ten minutes and open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen. We'll do our best to get to all questions, but we have many participants on this webinar, so I apologize in advance if you do not get to yours today. And with that, I will turn the discussion over to Dr. Michael Makowski. Hi, uh, thank you very much, and thank you to the Millie's Forum for, uh, for uh, inviting me to participate in this webinar. And uh, uh, so the, the topic I understand is the, uh, I was asked to speak about is, uh, a mutual defense pact between the United States and Israel. This was something my organization, JINSA, has uh, proposed in 2018. We put out a paper in 2019 about including a draft treaty. And uh, in a short period of time, uh, it has garnered interest by the leaders of both countries. Uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu has spoken about it, has embraced the idea and uh, has spoken about it uh, and tweeted about it uh, a number of times over the last year. And uh, President Trump has also tweeted about it and uh, shown uh, interest in, uh, in discussing it, and, uh, but hasn't come out one way or another yet on it. So, in a and uh, I'd say also Senator Lindsey Graham is probably the leading champion of it in the Senate and has spoken about it a number of times. Why a mutual defense pact between Israel and the United States? I think uh, a lot of the, you maybe and other uh, members of the uh, Middle East Forum might even think that there already is a mutual defense pact between the two countries. Uh, and because the two countries seem to work so closely together on so many issues, uh, the fact is uh, there is not, of course, and uh, it is not even a new idea to raise it. Uh, it has come up over time, even back in Ben-Gurion days in, uh, uh, when he was prime minister of Israel. Uh, but it hasn't really been discussed in a long time. It came out of a small group of retired generals and admirals at the United, that we put together, chaired by Admiral Jim Stavridis, who uh, former commander of NATO. The idea that what we have put forward, JINSA, is the, uh, the, that people are discussing is a narrow mutual defense pact. Uh, we have taken an old idea of trying to update it and given some, flesh it out a little more. The idea behind it is that uh, given the strategic situation in the region, the threats, particularly from Iran to Israel's uh, existence, and I'd say the trend in America towards uh, retrenchment in the Middle East. And it's, I think this, you know, coronavirus, this pandemic uh, and the focus on China is obviously gonna lead the US foreign policy to be even more focused on Asia and likely to come also at the expense of, of the Middle East. Uh, given the retrenchment in our footprint, uh, I think Israel's more exposed in a way and of course, the continued development of uh, nuclear weapons by Iran, which I'm sure you're all familiar with and all readers and members of the Middle East Forum is, uh, there's a real existential threat that Israel faces 
uh, and of course the 130,000 rockets that Hezbollah has and missiles uh, with increasing precision uh, in Lebanon. Um, and uh, given the fact that I think that we're kind of, unless there's a regime collapse in Tehran, uh, I think we're, we're heading at some point to a major war between Israel and Iran and Hezbollah. And it would be very bad for those, certainly for Israel and certainly for the U.S. and our interests. Uh, we, but so given that, we think that a, a U.S.-Israel mutual defense pact would add an extra layer of deterrence for Israel. It would also help mitigate uh, the intensity and scope of a major conflict if one broke out. We also think that it could uh, serve as a platform for upgrading the bilateral security relationship between the United States and, and, and Israel. Uh, for the United States, a mutual defense pact is actually not that radical an idea. We, uh, we have mutual defense pacts with about 50 other countries, including all the NATO countries, of course, which well, we have them with Japan, we have them with the uh, Philippines and, uh, and others. And uh, one of the, uh, and what we have found, just looking at the history now, there have been many new ones in several decades. A lot of them really were formed and uh, concluded during the Cold War uh, and in the early couple decades of the Cold War. And the reason why they're on mutual defense pact is because they do add a layer of, of, of deterrence and uh, they, in, uh, they bring, they are a source of stability for the countries and the regions uh, that they impact. Uh, so we think for U.S. interests, particularly as we're retrenching in the Middle East, I think that's the trend. We think it would be very valuable to have a mutual defense pact because it would add an element of stability it would contribute to stability even while we're lowering our footprint in a region which could often be a source of uh, uh, a factor for instability. So we think we could help balance this out with the mutual defense pact. We also, um, so we think for U.S. interests it's important. For Israeli interests it's important. Uh, for Israel, again, extra layer of deterrence. Uh, for uh, U.S. interests, a source of stability and also perhaps a source of uh, mitigation of a conflict and scope of a conflict uh, if one does break out, that not only will affect our interests in a secure Israel, but other interests that we have in the region, such as the Persian Gulf or the Gulf allies and so on. Um, some people have expressed concern about this idea and uh, within the pro-Israel camp here and in Israel, uh, in the security establishment in Israel or former retired generals, former Israeli generals, that this could limit freedom of action by Israel. And that's not good for Israel and that's not good for the United States. That has been one of the objections. The reality is that I think for those uh, who said that, I've really probably not looked into the history of mutual defense pact. The fact of the matter is that uh, we've, again, we have mutual defense pact with France for, uh, you know, and England uh, uh, for the UK for a long time that didn't stop the UK from going in the Falklands, even though Ronald Reagan wasn't very enthusiastic about it, then stopped the French getting uh, involved in certain things in Africa, even though America had apprehensions about that. There is nothing that uh, in mutual defense pact necessarily that really would limit uh, freedom of action. That is the biggest concern I would say in the Israeli, among Israeli security folks. 
you know, we defend ourselves by ourselves. It's in Israel's DNA. It's obviously extraordinarily laudable uh, that they feel that way and that it is important. And we do. It's not that they feel that way, but it is that way. Um, but, the, but the reality is, I think, that Israel has now a lot of the responsibilities of a mutual defense back without some of the benefits. If Israel wanted to do something significant in the region militarily, that would impact, have a significant impact on U.S. interests in the region, given the relationship, we would, they would consult anyway with us, uh, with the United States, in any case. So I think that um, they have those responsibilities of consultation without the benefits, like an extra layer of deterrence that would come from a mutual defense pact. So I don't really see, and also some have raised concerns that uh, you'd have IDF, soldiers in Afghanistan. One is no one really thinks that's going to happen, but that was brought up before in Israel. And uh, uh, mutual defense pacts are um, generally, you could have in them, they're very flexible, like anything else in all treaties. Uh, this would be, uh, uh, you could define the geographic area that it applies to. Uh, could just, you know, so you're not going to have idea. You could stipulate exactly where, if it came to be, that it would need where Israeli soldiers would deploy if this was relevant. I'll say one last thing, and I, and then I'll see my time is up, and then I'll love, look forward to taking all questions. Um, this would be a treaty, which means the Senate has to approve it, and you need 67 senators. Um, I would say that, while well, it wasn't the impetus for, the, uh, for our idea, a concern I've had over the last year, year and a half, and I'm sure many of you have, is the trend certainly more on the left of the political spectrum in the United States that is hypercritical of Israel. And I think in this moment of time, we still have uh, many very uh, pro-Israel uh, Democrats in the senior leadership of the Democratic Party. And you have a president who's very pro-Israel. I think this would be a good moment to really push this issue. Um, I'll say one final thing. What we are pushing for is a narrow mutual defense pact. Uh, it is more narrowly conceived in scope than what we have, what the United States has with many other countries. If you had missiles, God forbid, hitting London, that would be a major development that could actually trigger our pact with uh, our, our treaty obligations with the Brits. Unfortunately for Israel, they get hit by missiles on a regular basis. Uh, we don't, at JINSA, in the treaty we wrote, uh, can see that that um, missile attacks on Israel would actually trigger a mutual defense pact. We see it more narrowly. It would only be triggered by exceptional circumstances that threaten Israel's viability, existence, its economic viability, its lines of communications, its lines of uh, economic supply lanes, and things like that. It would not be so, it is much more narrowly conceived than every other mutual defense pact in the United States. Has, uh, has, has concluded. So um, with that, I think this would be a very useful thing for the bilateral relationship. I think it would be good for the Middle East, it'd be good for U.S. interests. And uh, I look forward to taking any questions about this. So thank you very much for this platform. Thank you so much for taking time to speak with us today. We have quite a few questions coming in. The first one is, um, can you describe what the possible specifics of the mutual defense pact would be and what would Israel's obligations be? Well, by definition, if you look at other mutual defense pacts, they're actually uh, somewhat broadly worded. 
Uh, you don't have to. We thought of this and saying, well, uh, I mean, let's be real here. I mean, uh, most mutual defense backs with the United States involve what the United States has to do. Uh, uh, you know, and, uh, but Israel could obviously help in many ways, U.S. interests, particularly with sharing of intelligence. Of course, Israel shares a lot already with the United States. Um, but I wouldn't put in a treaty. We, we uh, decided against putting in a treaty, thing, uh, getting too specific about what either party would do. This would be something that the leaders of the country would have to work out. In fact, one of the values, I think, of doing a mutual defense pact is that as close as the security relationship is between the two countries, we think uh, a, a mutual defense treaty or pact would force the two countries to maybe do a little more planning than they already have. Uh, to, uh, uh, so we think that has to be worked out between the two parties. But um, obviously Israel is very careful about its deployment of its forces abroad. Uh, and that would be understood obviously by both parties. But I wouldn't get in a treaty any such specifics, uh, so. Thank you. So we have many questions coming in pertaining to the Democratic Party. What would a US administration that is not friendly to Israel in power look like? Uh, would such a pact tie Israel's hands at all? No. So uh, some people raise the concern that uh, to us that, well, if you have a treaty, then would a, a less sympathetic American president use it uh, over, you know, against Israel? Um, I actually see it the opposite way, that uh, if you had a Senate, if you had a mutual defense treaty, which was by definition approved by 67 or more senators, uh, two-thirds of the Senate, I think it would serve as a break uh, to, uh, you know, uh, a less, of what a, a president less friendly to Israel could do to Israel. I actually see this as a positive that it could help limit uh, or it could uh, reduce such a, if we obviously hope this doesn't come into being, but if you had a president like this, uh, we think it would offer some, um, you know, limitations on such a president of what they might want to do against uh, to Israel. Wonderful. Um, would Arab states like Egypt or Saudi Arabia also seek such defense pacts? It's a good question. Uh, you know, there have even been discussions about a Middle East NATO. It's not a new idea that the idea has been around a, a long time, really. Um, they might. Uh, uh, I don't, uh, I mean, we since certainly Jimmy Carter, if not before, have uh, committed ourselves to uh, securing the free flow of oil through the Persian Gulf. And therefore, obviously, our relationship with the Saudis and the UAE is very close to other countries. On the other hand, the Iranians uh, attacked uh, a major Saudi energy facility in September, and the United States did absolutely nothing. Um, you know, the Egyptians and the, uh, and the Saudis uh, might ask for such a thing, uh, but I think that it'd probably be a more, that'd be a heavier lift to actually happen, especially since they're not democratic countries. Uh, and, you know, God forbid there's a revolution in, uh, in those countries. Well, we saw one already in Egypt 
you know, uh, not too long ago. And we had a Muslim Brotherhood government that headed that country for a period of time. Uh, I think it'd be harder for us to conclude a mutual defense pact with countries like that, where you do worry who's going to be in charge of that country. One thing you know with Israel, obviously, is the country's overwhelmingly pro-American. Whether it's going to be Benny Gans or Bibi Netanyahu, it's not going to make that big a difference in terms of the bilateral relationship and the country is firmly rooted in the Western camp. So I just don't see that happening right now uh, with the uh, Egyptians and the Saudis or the UAE. doesn't mean, by the way, I don't think it's important that we, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, have closer security relations with those countries. If anything, I, I, I was critical in my writings of the lack of, of response by the U.S. against the Saudi uh, energy facility. That surprised me a great deal. Uh, so I would like other countries, particularly Iranians, to understand if something like that happens, Again, the United States is going to respond, but never have a formal treaty, I don't think is going to happen. Do you know of any mutual defense pacts between any of Israel's neighbors or other major powers? No, there are none. There's, there are none with Israel's major uh, neighbors. Okay. Is there, oh, sorry, if you were going to continue. No, no, no. That's okay. Is there any possibility of Israel or a future Palestinian state joining NATO? Of Israel or a future Palestinian state? Um, I don't see it uh, happening with Israel. Uh, but I think, again, if you, uh, it's possible. I mean, I think if, I'd like, again, I think I would start with, um, I think it's a heavy lift for the Israelis to come to terms with a mutual defense pact with their closest and most important ally, the United States. So I think it'd be a bigger challenge on the, to, to join NATO. Uh, with a Palestinian state, um, uh, I think one step at a time, I think it would be, uh, it would be good if it was a democratic, uh, you'd want it to be a democratic state that's firmly in the Western camp. I see that, I think we see the challenge already with one particular NATO member in, in Turkey which is still formally a democracy, but is not uh, as democratic as it was before, but even it has not always been as democratic, but it has clearly moved away from the Western camp. I can't imagine in any, uh, you know, I would love to see the day when the Palestinian Authority, uh, Palestinian uh, government would want to join NATO, but there'd be so many positive things that would have to happen. And uh, I don't know if I'll live to see it in my lifetime, so. I think the short answer would be no. Uh, Thank you for that. Is there any difference between how this mutual defense pact would act for, say, guerrilla war tactics versus a conventional outright war? Yeah, I, I don't see it. It's a narrowly conceived pact the way we have conceived it. Uh, I wouldn't see it having to do with anything like, well, you're saying guerrilla warfare, but I think uh, probably the more you know, uh, I mean, infiltrations from Gaza or Syria, I wouldn't think that wouldn't trigger at all. By the way, as I said earlier, uh, you know, the missiles that unfortunately Israel is on the receiving end on a too regular basis, let's say from Gaza, that doesn't wouldn't trigger it either. I don't think Israel wants the United States to get involved and the United States would not want to get involved in any such conflict. So the idea is to make this more I don't want to say the word limited, but narrow is the right word. 
This is narrowly conceived for things that Israel could normally handle on its own. It should handle on its own. There's no way that Israel, no Israeli government would want to enlist American support for dealing with the missile threat, say, from Gaza, and the United States would not want to do it. This is for big challenges, things that threaten WMD, weapons of mass destruction threats to Israel, the cutting off of Israel's sea lanes. They, Israel cannot last very long if its sea lanes are severed. Uh, it is still somewhat of an economic island. Uh, so uh, it's things that threaten Israel's viability and, and a very existence. Those are the only things that we think make sense. So uh, for this pact, but not for things like guerrilla warfare or missile uh, attacks like we have from Gaza. Now you could argue, you could make the case. I don't know, we'd have to see. We hope we don't see. If there was a major war between Israel and Iran and involved obviously Hezbollah and all those 130,000 rockets and missiles were unleashed from there, that, could, that possibly could be a different story. So you just mentioned the role of Hezbollah in Iran. Um, what would be the role of this specifically if a war were to break out between those entities? Well, again, the, the main purpose of a mutual defense pact is to deter such a war from happening. The idea is, is that it adds another level of uncertainty uh, to, in this case, the Iranians and saying, if they do some too much, if they do something really major against Israel, it will bring in the United States. Because one would imagine that would be the last things that the Iranians would want to do uh, is bring in the United States because obviously we could uh, inflict damage on the Iranians in a way that Israel cannot. So I think uh, the idea would be first is deterrence. If that deterrence breaks down and there is a major war between let's say Israel and uh, Hezbollah and Iran, uh, by the way, not just Hezbollah, could involve Hamas and other Iranian proxies, but Hezbollah is the obvious one, but it could involve also missile attacks from Gaza. Uh, but those wouldn't be as significant as the ones from Lebanon. Um, then the, the hope is that a mutual defense pact might mitigate the scope and intensity of such a conflict because the Iranians Again, the assumption is that the, Iranian, the last thing the Iranians want is to bring the United States into a direct war against it. So we think it might limit the scope of such a major war and that has value. Uh, so that's how we see this pact playing out. Setting aside, now if the United States get involved, there's a whole number of things that the US could do if such a pact is actually triggered, which we could talk about if people are interested. We're actually getting quite a few questions in about um, how does China fit into all this? What would their reaction be to a U.S.-Israel defense pact? And would they do the same with Iran? I don't see the Chinese uh, getting too involved in such a thing, frankly. Uh, I think the issue with China in Israel is separate, uh, which is just what's going on today. Uh, clearly, uh, if Trump is, stays president, but you could imagine still with the uh, Biden relations with the United States are going to get increasingly strained. Um, and uh, Israel looks at China differently than the United States does. And uh, just we saw recently where the United States made clear they didn't want a major contract for a, a, a big desalinization plant in Israel going to a Chinese company, even one based in Hong Kong. 
so uh, the U.S. That's there are other issues that Israel faces with China today. I, I'm not worried about uh, their opposition, uh, and I can't imagine that they would do any pact. Uh, the Chinese would do anything like that with the uh, uh, with Iran. I think the Chinese have other challenges right now, so I'm not worried about that with the Chinese. I'm worried about the, the, the here and now with the Chinese and how Israel needs to navigate uh, more sensitivity to U.S. interests uh, in its dealings with China, whether it's Haifa port, where it's other construction projects, whether it's um, Chinese investment in Israel high tech. These are things that is, uh, and actually this is something that we're, that we're starting to work on at Jinsa. That's the issue, I think, with China and all this. Not, I'm not concerned about them with the fact. Nor am I concerned about the Russians, for, the, for that matter, on this issue. So. Thank you so much. So you just mentioned Jinsa. Uh, would you be able to tell us where to find more information about your organization? Yeah, I appreciate that. That's a nice softball question uh, <laughs> to throw me. Uh, uh, I should have said Jinsa.org, uh, J-I-N-S-A.org. We're like, and we're very friendly with Middle East Forum. I think we share some board members. Uh, and I know, uh, you know Daniel pipes a long time. Um, and his father was a great scholar too, of course. Uh, and uh, the, um, we're a nonprofit. We focus on the US-Israel. We, we focus on security issues having to do with the Middle East. Uh, and we believe a strong US-Israel security relationship is important to American security. We do educational programs, we do policy work. You can look up all our work on chinsa.org. Well, thank you so much. Unfortunately, we've come to the close of our webinar. Thank you again so much oh, for joining well, us. Thank you very much for having me. Okay. Wish everybody health. Thank you. So, please join us on Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern for Ashley Perry to brief us on current events in Israel and Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern for John... Nomikos, speaking on Turkish sets in Greece. Be sure to check out our website, www.meforum.org, our YouTube channel, and SoundCloud for recordings of past webinars. Thank you all for joining us, and I hope you have a wonderful day.